Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 171st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 625th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 28th, 2020. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday when Jeremy Wu of SI.com posted his 2021 NBA draft big board ranking the top 30 players in the class. Regarding the 2021 class as a whole, Wu writes, quote, there's a legitimate level of excitement among those in the know surrounding the long-term potential of next year's class, unquote. So it stands to reason that a college team landing a player on the list is likely to enter the majority of its games next season with the most talented player on the court. Well, how about a college team landing two players on the list? Five colleges had at least two players on Wu's list, and one of them was Indiana. Wu has Christian Lander at number 17, saying, quote, he possesses breakneck end-to-end speed and excels in the open floor and dictating pace, unquote. And Trace Jackson Davis came in at number 29. The rest of the Big Ten, by the way, had just one player total, Michigan's Franz Wagner. Now, let's be clear about something here. This big board really doesn't mean much of anything. It's more than a year out from the draft that is very loosely projecting. It doesn't include players who are testing the waters for the 2020 draft. And frankly, Wu has never been one of my go-to NBA draft analysts. So don't put more stock in the actual projections than they deserve. But the inclusion of Trace and Christian Lander on any such list does speak to an important general point about the steadily improving talent at IU. While we've spent plenty of time discussing the improvement at the back end of the roster, where scholarships are now being used on solid four-star players instead of being treated like lottery tickets, the reality of college basketball remains that you better have multiple NBA-level players headlining your roster if you want to have a legit shot at hanging a banner. With two five-star talents in Trace and Lander, Indiana has that. If someone else on the roster can make a leap onto the NBA radar, perhaps a Jerome Hunter, maybe even a Jordan Geronimo down the line, then watch out. Things are looking up for Archie Miller and Indiana. Now let's just hope they get a chance to prove it on the floor. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show, To My Left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. You know that feeling when you first started dating your significant other and you'd hear them talk? That's how I feel every time you have an Archie Miller drop. Coach, what's on your mind? Oh, uh, that's that's a first. <laughs> uh, that, that was good. Uh, just thinking about, you know, we kind of know where the roster is now. We'll be talking about Justin Smith uh, in the next segment here, but that obviously is the big news of the week. Caught a lot of us uh, quickly by surprise last Friday. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into that in detail I do think that the the guys are kind of ready to to come back and and hopefully the the middle of June when uh, maybe workouts are are allowed. Uh, saw some social media where maybe the guys were getting together. I just think this is going to be a group that really uh, enjoys working together and playing together and and hopefully 
in in proper healthy ways they can get going here in june and and make it uh uh the best they can in in developing that camaraderie and that work ethic to to play basketball but i think the roster is pretty much set uh with keeping the mind open of a maybe a, a possible ad for depth uh, but we we kind of know what where we're headed now and it's be interesting to watch it the the rest of the summer absolutely okay and to my right Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. The dude just interrupted his own jingle. 90% of his basketball opinions are moronic. Ryan, what is your rant on the last week in IU basketball? I just want to clarify for everyone that was me talking about someone else. It was. Do you remember who you were uh, talking about? Was it Bill Simmons? It was. <laughs> yeah, because I say that a lot. Um, yeah, I think the Justin, we're going to talk about it, but the Justin Smith departure was the big news of the week. And, uh, a lot of people, I mean, the Indy star wrote, you know, had a, had a tweet out at least that it was a big blow to Indiana. And I think that a lot of people, when they actually look below the surface of this, it, it stinks to lose a guy of Justin's talent level, but looking below the surface of this, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Archie Miller and Indiana and the staff to just figure things out and a lot of opportunities for a couple players who really look like they deserve more playing time. And so it could be the kind of thing where it's a move that's good for both sides of the equation to get Justin somewhere that he's more comfortable, a system he's more comfortable in and a chance to go do something else. And, you know, maybe find a coach that fits his style a little better. Uh, and for Indiana, really a chance to open up the floor to some, some guys who really earned playing time at the end of last year and maybe got overlooked a little bit. Uh, you know, down the stretch, and and because you had Justin was a guy given his talent level, you had to play thirty minutes a game, and now those minutes are going to be open to guys who really were on the floor during some of Indiana's biggest moments last year. So I'm sure we'll get into that and talk about that. But I wrote a piece about it on the big lead, and I, I really think this is a great opportunity for Indiana. By the way, if you are only listening on the podcast tonight. Uh, or wherever you're listening, you're really missing a treat, which is Ryan's beard. Something that in nine years doing this show, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing. Now, are you are you trying to stress test your relationship uh, by growing no. out this beard? Are you going for a Wolverine look? Like what's she actually? She actually likes the long hair. I haven't been able to get a, a reading on the beard, but the the really the only reason this is here is because I feel like it's weird to shave your face when you can't cut your hair. Because it creates that weird crossover area in here where you got to figure out where the sideburns go, but you're still shaggy on the back of the side. Like, I just, you know, I'm just waiting until I can get the whole, get rid of the whole thing. And none of this is permanent or do I like any of it. So I just want to clarify that. But, man, what it's are you Really gonna- just a good blanket statement for the entire pandemic experience that we're having. Yeah, pretty much. This is, this is my, don't this like is my statement it. on it. Yeah, it's art, really. Coach, do you have any hair comments? No, my, mine is kind of permanent. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be staying with it and I just need to, you know, donations of razors would be okay. Uh, but, uh, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you asking. Absolutely. That's what we do here uh, on the show coach. All right. So here's, what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, we've got a few college hoops headlines, uh, that we will get to. And then, you know, this was always slated to be our episode where we talked about Justin Smith. We just thought it would be a little bit more in the vein of talking about how we would look in an Indiana uniform next year. So I guess, you know, nice timing for Justin to announce his grad transfer now so we could just keep our same schedule, still talk about him. But instead, we'll talk about the impact of him transferring. And then, as we always do, we will answer your questions. And we got a lot of good ones this week. So all of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to that stuff, remember to continue supporting our friends over at Homefield Apparel. 
website, homefieldapparel.com. The promo code is assembly20. If you're looking for something new, they've got some new fleece sweatpants made out of the same material as the bison hoodie. Uh, by all accounts, by all reviews, they are incredible and comfortable and soft. And so if you're looking for something new to wear while you are at home, uh, that is definitely an option. Then, of course, you can go there and see all of their other great IU gear and the 70 plus other schools uh, that they have deals with. And then if you want to support a local food bank, they still need your help. Go to foodpantries.org or feedingamerica.org and you'll be able to get connected with a local food bank in your area that you can help support. Okay, guys, let's go through a couple of interesting headlines, uh, uh, just kind of general college hoops headlines, and then you know one about Indiana uh, and its announcement of the academic calendar. The first one, and this came out Wednesday, I believe, the recruiting dead period has been extended through July 31st. So basically, there's not going to be any summer recruiting. Coaches can't go out and do evaluations. There's not going to be a peach jam. You know, a lot of those events that we've come to, you know, kind of, you know, we look forward to kind of following in the summer. You see guys rise up the charts. You see guys disappoint. You see offers made. All this stuff where coaches are out evaluating. That's not going to happen. And so... You know, look, obviously there is the real world impact of that, of, you know, all the events and the people who work at these events and, and, and just, you know, things people enjoyed watching and going to, those aren't going to be there. You know, coach, as I try to kind of take this news and look down the line at what it might mean, <laughs> we've seen a lot of transfers recently in college basketball. I really wonder with the upcoming recruiting class, you know, next year's recruiting class, where right now you would see a lot of offers go out, a lot of, uh, you know, evaluations being made. If coaches can't go out and evaluate guys and players can't put their growth and development or their regression on display, it seems like it's going to be much harder to find the right fit between player, system, coach, school. And so I feel like it could lead to offers being made that shouldn't be made, a lot of guesswork, a lot of projection, instead of actually being able to see guys play basketball. And as you know, as well as anybody, you know, guys at that age, there's a lot of development happening, a lot of improvement, you know, so it, it really, I'm really worried that we're going to get a lot of bad matches just out of necessity because there's only so much that you can do watching highlight tapes of games that are months old and then interviewing a guy on Zoom. Do you buy that as a down the line impact of this? I, I do, and but it's a different type of work. Your coaching staffs are going to have to find a different way to try to evaluate because it's just the way it is. But yes, you do wonder if, if decisions are going to be made that aren't normal, uh, where you see kids at AAU, they get to come on campus uh, for their officials during their junior and their senior year, and so they're making it based on a conversation or what they believe instead of what they see, and then all of a sudden they get into the program and things. So down the line, I would not doubt that that's going to happen. But what you have to do as a coach is you have to find new ways. You have to talk to people, other coaches. Uh, the hard thing is, and, and I say this as a high school coach, AAU is good for evaluating talent at the top levels of NCAA basketball because they're playing with talent and against talent. Uh, in high school, you might be a, a Division One guy playing with a couple of Division Threes or maybe just some other guys that are playing ball, and we always send three guys at the D1 guy when we're playing, and you don't see him what they can do. So it's a different type of evaluation. So coaches really got to sit down and say, what kind of player do I want? And in some ways it can benefit because it's more of an interview, right? If you're talking about guys that fit in, the buy-in guys, the guys that want to work hard, 
you might be able to spend more time doing that than just evaluating the, the athletic talent. So in every time when there's a, a, a tougher situation, I think this is an absolute tougher recruiting situation, the good coaches look for the opportunity to, okay, where can it help me? And I'm going to really do a lot in the Zooms, in the meetings, to really try to discern if this kid's going to come in here and work the way we want him to and fit in the way we want him to. So maybe you spend more time than you normally would. Uh, and so – for every tough situation, there's got to be a, a benefit too. But yes, it, it will lead to some mismatches in 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 selections down the road. Right. Yeah, I think the one thing that the that's going to be very important is staff cohesion because everybody's got to be on the same page when they're reviewing film on a guy and when they've gone to see him in the past, maybe gone to a high school game, whatever. You have to rely on your staff members to have a good read on that kid and, and be you know, hey. He, I saw him argue with his coach on the sideline. That was not a good look. I'm not sure this is a guy who's going to fit in here. Or this guy was trying to get his teammates involved. He was a leader. He's a, You've got to rely on the guys around you. Because Archie Miller didn't get to go to all of those games. That's just not the way it works. And these AAU events is an opportunity to kind of see everybody. And they aren't going to be happening. So it's going to be a lot of relying and trusting your staff. And also trusting the video guys who are breaking down on the highlights and, and come to you with recommendations and all of that stuff. And it's going to be working the phones to a lot of coaches, a lot of high school coaches, coaches that coach the kid, coaches that coached against the kid. You know, all of that. Rely on the relationships you've built. I also think because of this, we're going to get a lot of kids staying home, you know, staying closer to home. And I think that that is going to be interesting for Indiana because they have built up relationships with coaches over the last few years. Can they rely on those coaches to be like, hey, this guy may be a borderline IU guy, but he's going to dive on the floor every time. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Can you trust those coaches? Do you have a good relationship to them to not just be selling their guy, but be selling a good player who will fit your program, that kind of stuff. So I think that's what's going to be very important. And again, you're, as Coach said, it's hard to tell with high school because you're not facing guys necessarily who you know are on your same level all the time. So it'll be it, it's going to be fascinating. I do think you're right that there, it will lead to some mismatches. But, you know, it, it, everybody's in the same boat on it. So it's, it's one of those things where there's already a lot of transfers. We're already living in this world. I think we'll wind up seeing more. But at the same time, if your staff is on it and you've got great relationships built in with coaches across the country, uh, you may be able to, to, to weather this pretty well. I think, too, Ryan mentioned relationships. That's a big part of AAU. When a coach sits at a gym in an AAU event, they're not necessarily evaluating talent. They're just making sure the athlete sees them there to continue building that interest. If you're really interested, you bring two staff members or three staff members, and that is recognized by the recruit and the players. Where it really hurts is your younger kids, where you evaluate the, the freshmen and the sophomores who are playing AAU, and maybe that, that young man who has popped, you want to go see him play. But a lot of times, by the time you've identified your board, you are now planning, you know, my son, when he was a manager, he had to uh, get books of, you know, itinerary out for coaches to go see. And it was based on numbers of times they wanted to see and, and make sure every coach got to see him. But it was more of the relationships. And that's exactly right what Ryan said, phone calls, Zoom meetings. You can still win the relationship battle because ultimately I think most players go to play for uh, coaches they, they want to play with and have a good relationship with uh, as opposed to anything else. And so you just got to find a new way to do that than sit on the end of the court when they're, uh, you know, in that last year of AAU. Yeah, you know, and the other thing too is it's going to hurt a guy who is maybe ranked low right now that 
you know, developed physically or really worked on his game, he's not going to have a chance to showcase that. Like, I think this was around the time where Jordan Geronimo really went from off the charts to on the charts. I was going to say that, too. He's a guy so, who really popped. Yeah, you know, and, and so, you know, the other thing to look at with this is if the transfer rule is changed next year, it would certainly be easier for players and coaches to get out of a bad fit if guys can just, you know, transfer without having to sit out a year. But the other thing that you may see, uh, you know, because of, you know, maybe some guys who are ranked low that, would have gone up the rankings and gotten a higher offer, you may see some really, really good players at the mid-majors that wouldn't have been there otherwise. But they're there just because they didn't get a chance to get seen, you know, and so they stayed at the local uh, smaller school. Um, and so those are just some things to look out for. There definitely will be a, at least a one-year kind of cascading impact of this not being able to go down. But, Coach, I think you're right. The good coaches will see it as an opportunity, and they'll you know find a way to use it to their advantage. The other thing I want to mention here uh, in segment number one is that Indiana did announce its academic calendar. Um, and so if you didn't hear this, you know, basically the bottom line is that from Thanksgiving through February 7th of this upcoming year, <clears throat> all classes are going to be online. And so essentially what Indiana wants to do is when kids go home, you know, it's going to start in it's going to start August 24th, the fall semester. And so the actual semester will go through December 20th. But again, post-Thanksgiving, all the classes will be online. So basically what Indiana wants kids to do is go home for Christmas and not come back until the second week in February and just have more time. You mean Thanksgiving. You mean no, Thanksgiving. go home for Thanksgiving and then not yeah, come back. Christmas. Oh, yeah, sorry. For Thanksgiving, yeah. yeah. And then not come back again until February. You know, just to, again, in, in I think what Indiana is doing on a macro level is really smart about just trying to balance, you know, let's let's have campus, let's get people back here, but let's try and be smart about it. The question will be, and I'm just curious if you guys have a thought on this, how that went, and, and we don't know yet, we're going to have to learn more, but how do you think that might affect college basketball if students, you know, aren't going to be around for that length of time? Does that affect the players? And then, you know, of course, I don't think anybody, any of us are expecting very many, if any, fans to actually be in attendance, uh, but certainly if fans are going to be in attendance, uh, then Indiana's not going to have their students there because those students won't be on campus. So that is probably the secondary concern because I don't think that's even going to matter, but it is going to be interesting to see what happens with the players and how they might be dealt with a little bit differently than the regular students. I think they have to be dealt with differently. I think that, I think that college, the NCAA has, has just made that apparent. I mean, college football players are allowed to go back onto campuses this week, you know, and I think uh, the Pac-12 is really behind the eight ball and saying they will be June 15th or something. You know, I mean, it's it's so and they're already going to be back and they're they're behind everybody else. So I think that we've we've already agreed that that athletes are going to be treated differently and athletes can be on campus and take remote classes. I mean, that's still, you know, available to them. Yeah. Um, But but I think that I think what you'll get is a lot of kids staying in their campus dorm and doing their classes or, or their campus uh, apartments and, you know, off campus apartments and doing classes from there. I don't think everyone's just going to go home. Um, I, I think that that's the, that's the idea. Uh, but I think a lot of kids will go home and they like their independence. So they'll come back to Bloomington and, and just do it from, from their apartments. Um, and I think that still that's fewer much, big congregations of, of kids. Yes. In, in no, class, I mean, so it, you know, the, 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 the overall program will work of yeah. course but i think that you know you can't stop kids from from living off campus you know and 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 doing classes that way so i think you'll get a lot of that um i also think that as far as it goes with athletes though i think that they're going to be treated like a separate class of of student and they're going to do their own thing and um i think they'll do what they're planning to they do. do anyway <laughs> yeah which they do i mean but, you know but it's the, it's an admission finally from the nca that okay they're not just normal students there's a difference here 
and I think they'll they'll try and do it like uh, the NBA is talking about with with trying to you know kind of keep them together and and not just fully isolated, but for the most part keep them in a group together, monitor them, you know, make sure that all the health protocols are are underway, but. I mean, that's you got to assume that's what they're going to do with athletes, and and just like the pros, that's what they're going to have to do. You know, and I, I think I think it's good to if it's a main flu season, try to get those kids out. But I think the athletes need to need to play if if they're going to have uh, college on a shortened schedule, keep the athletes there. Uh, hopefully, by then we have massive amounts of testing where testing athletes won't take it away from frontline workers or people who really need the test. Uh, so then I could advocate for testing the players. But you have an entourage of maybe 30 uh, to operate a basketball program. If everyone leaves the campus, you can keep them in a in a one location if you needed to and, and with the training staff tr- uh, test and, and play on. And, and I, maybe I'm wrong, and I hope not to, to, to upset anyone, but I, I do think – Part of this is we need to get over the fatigue of all this, and sports is one way that the the country can get back. And so while it seems ridiculous to treat athletes differently, I think it's important for all of us to to have some some sense of normalcy, even without fans in the stands. And then also a lot of colleges are struggling financially that maybe athletics are a way to keep people invested in in college so that uh, you know things can still get back when when we do have the remedies and the, the, all the stuff that we need to, to fight this uh, the way we need to. So I think basketball season is looking better to me and me, to, to me and me, that's a great drop. Um, the more that I look at it and, and I hope that's just not hopeful thinking, but I think, I think we, I think any school can take care of their athletes enough to play at least basketball football with the larger roster is a whole different ball game. Um, be interesting to see. Yeah. Okay. Coming up. Let's talk about Justin Smith. He announced his intention to grad transfer last week. It's going to have a big impact on the upcoming IU season, but what shape exactly will that impact take? We're going to discuss that next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Okay. Hello, everybody here live. Good to see you all. We continue to appreciate you guys coming and hanging out with us live every Thursday night, even as, you know, not a not a ton of news and, you know, not a lot going on. I certainly look forward to a time when our first segment doesn't always have to end kind of talking about that. And maybe at some point we just, you know, shouldn't address it until there's big, big news. But I do kind of feel it's like every week there's like kind of a little piece of news that is kind of relevant and gives us a little bit more of a it's like one more puzzle piece to what it's going to look like, you know, come November. So. You know, I know there's a little bit of fatigue about that topic, but I also want to make sure that we at least address it and update those who may not be, you know, following it on a day-to-day basis like we are. Um, but anyway, nice hey, beer, for those uh, old-time, well, all Indiana fans. I was on a Zoom talk with coaches from Ohio and Florida last night, and uh, my good friend from Saint Ex- Saint Xavier in Cincinnati gave a presentation on motion offense. It was mm-hmm. an hour and 45 minutes of discussion of flares and curls and screening angles, and it was – I couldn't sleep last night. I was so excited to talk about motion <laughs> offense. <laughs> that is awesome. So I ran in high school as a sophomore. Um, I was on JV. We had a really good varsity team. We I kicked up to varsity at the end of the season, but I was on JV, and we ran the mover blocker. And then as a junior and senior, we ran motion. So it was like, cause our coach got fired and they went to like the semifinals of state in California and 
got fired somehow. Like it was a big deal. But and then so it was like there could not have been a bigger flip in offense, like from one year to the next. So yeah, I appreciate a motion offense discussion. I agree. We know your thoughts about the mover blocker. It's just hard. It's so hard to do, and it's so hard to watch at times. And notice Virginia won a national title when they moved away from being so strict with it because and when they had not, NBA dudes. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's part of it too. Yeah. But the they had those same guys the year yeah. before. You yeah. know, I mean No, it's it's the the problem with the mover blocker is it slows the game down incredibly, which is fine if that's what your goal is. But if you get behind, it's really hard to if you're to come back if that's all you do. And that's why Virginia did learn its lesson, you know, to open it up and do more one-on-one and, and, you know, allow that talent to kind of take advantage of, you know, the fact that they're talented. See, Ryan, I, I don't know. I, I believe you can run motion and still play with pace. I, 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 I don't understand why run coaches – motion and play Yeah, with run pace? motion, oh. which is a blocker mover too, but you can get shots earlier if you wanted it, to. Yeah. You know, but, you know um, motion motion can be run with an up tempo. I, I think a yeah, straight motion I, offense can be yeah. run up tempo. And you hear sure. a lot of coaches saying, "Well, it's not today's game, and it's not fast pace, and kids won't play it." Well, you know what? Kids like to win, and kids like to score. I can get a guy twenty points running motion. I mean, North Carolina runs a version of the motion offense. Like they're always high in tempo, and that secondary yeah. break and all that stuff. While it's set, it filters into a motion offense. Like I mean, it's you can play up tempo with motion. It's just a matter of how you do it. Yeah, it's just attack. emphasizing how you take shots and where you get the shots within yep. the offense. And, you know, and, and, and the a lot of times cut, all that stuff. Teams will play that version of blocker mover because they're a little less talented and that's a way to shorten the game. Yep. It's not really about that's the why. offense. It's a, it's a strategy to use that offense to shorten the game. It's why but, Dick uh, Bennett created it. It was, yep. you know, because his teams at Wisconsin Green Bay were not that talented and they needed a way to even level the playing field. So he got a bunch of shooters, including his son, and slowed down games. And it works. Think about, you know, Jeff in the chat, Coach Marlowe in the chat says, uh, uh, Knights teams never struggle to score points. And we saw that in some of those rewatch games, you know? So yeah, I never they were all on the coach. same page. Guys knew their yeah. roles. And guys just, were fundamentally sound. That's the thing yeah. that is missing about today. And I know that makes me sound old to say that, but it's really true. God, you yeah. do sound old. Yeah, but it's true. Just kidding. I'm kidding. The, the fundamentals of passing. Pace. Yeah. The, the game is meant to be played with pace, but appropriate pace where you're not tossing it all over or shooting every five seconds. Well, it's also about knowing where the, you know, I mean, if you got a group of guys who play together for a few years, they can play fast together in any offense because right. they know where each other are going to be. You move the ball with tempo, yeah. you know, you know where your next move is going. As soon as you get the ball, you know, this shot isn't going to be open, but he's going to be cutting right there every time. Give it there. Then I'm going to go cut Then You know I mean? It's, it's almost like, playing a symphony piece or something you know what the you you may have the sheet music in front of you but you know what's next and that's interesting because this this guy my friend said he teaches his players to use their imagination and so when you think there should be a flare then go set a flare if you think there needs to be a curl go set it we'll fix it in the film but use your imagination it's a lot and of then, feel yeah. yeah and he charts he charts every screen every cut one of his assist he has eight assistants as a high school coach oh. in a private school I mean, you know but he I charts mean, it all, and then he tells kids, "Hey, you're set. You set five flares in a row. You got to make a variety of moves." Yep. And they Try went UCLA under, like, uh, do it, yeah. yeah, under 500 to win in 15, 16 games in a Cincinnati Catholic league in one year. Um, it's just such a pure offense, man. Well, I didn't I mean, mean to get on a tirade with no, the no. This is great. This is a basketball podcast. People like hearing us talk about <laughs> offense. You know, it's like anything else. 
you know, you can script something, you know, script movements. And if they're smart, that will kind of raise your floor for how effective you're going to be. But you just can't replace teaching concepts and then having guys on the same page about the concepts and then having guys being able to go out and then apply the concepts to what happens in the moment. That's when you get kind of magical offense. You know, it's like... like Teach them how to play. Well, you know, like think back, you know, we often, you know, you know, kind of use some punchlines about Crean here with the offense and turnovers and all that stuff. Think about how that team played offense the last two months of 2016. I mean, everybody was on the same page. Like you think back to that Maryland game and Yogi's just driving and whipping around passes to Colin Hartman because they're moving just, you know, and that obviously, you know, wasn't exactly a motion offense by any means, but you had that kind of choreography and guys understood the concepts. And so... You know, and they just played well together. And that, I mean, when the teams are playing offense like that, it's beautiful to watch. So, you know, anyway. Concepts, baby. Concepts over scripts. I, I loved how how at one point Crean uh with the with the um Hulls and um Zeller tandem was was running some triangle concepts at one point because it's like you want to isolate the shooter. If Oladipo would be the isolated driver and then Zeller would be the isolated post guy. And it's like, you pick your poison. Who do you want to double? Because you double one of those guys, the other two are going to kill you. And it was really interesting. Also for everyone, um, I retweeted a Mick Cronin minute and a half little speech about, uh, I think it was in the middle of the year when they were losing, but it was good of talking about, he goes, we'll start winning when we get humility on the basketball team. <laughs> good luck and, yeah and, and but it, it speaks volumes when you serve each other and that's one of the things we talked about last night the first thing we talked about in motion offense was servanthood he teaches you know you got players to each other you have to be servants to each other by screening and cutting and second cutting and f- taking the ball to the action all that stuff but it's really interesting on good coaches come back to teammates helping teammates mm-hmm. uh and mick cronin found a little bit because he started winning in the second half of the, of the season uh but it was inter- it's really good segment if you're into that kind of stuff go find it on my uh twitter feed as i've always said it's not just humility you got to have you got to have the pride too you got to combine the two because if everybody's right. just being humble and serving each other then who's taking the shots you know like you got to also kind of know what you Tons can do kids. and have <laughs> yeah well if we know they are Got to get the kids and the Philip kids. Everyone else pass. <laughs> so it's That's all awesome. about shooting. No chicks <laughs> will go out with you if you're not in the paper. That's right. That's right. Got to get in the paper, man. Okay, let's talk Justin Smith, fellas. Um, I'll do a little intro, and then we'll just kind of see where this goes. A lot of different angles that we could uh, that we could go with it. So let's do it. By the way, just, you know, so last week, it was Ryan, you weren't on here. I got a little message like mid or mid show, like late show that Justin had graduated from the Kelly School of Business. You know, so I was like, oh, you know, Justin graduated from the Kelly School of Business. And like kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, huh. What's that mean? <laughs> yeah. And then, hey, of course, kid, a day man. or two later. He's, he's always been a smart kid. Uh, great yeah. kid off the court. Um, congratulations to him. That's a big achievement. Three years to graduate from Kelly. Yeah. I mean, he gave himself the Big chance deal. to go find an option that may be a better yeah. basketball fit. I don't really, you know, I don't begrudge him that opportunity to go do it. Nope. So. Okay, let's do this. You know what I appreciate? That our coach didn't go on a radio show to, to throw him off the door. I mean, if he didn't feel, I think, I mean, I, I think the difference I'm, I'm there. I'm teasing. We no, 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 but it is important because I, I had a feeling you'd say something about that. I think there's a difference. Like, I think Archie thinks it's the right decision. 
you know, so I don't think he would bash him. Like he thinks it's the right thing. I think Matt Painter uh-huh. legitimately didn't think it was the right thing for Eastern to go. You know, so I, I think there's I think was, there's I a little think, bit I think of it was Matt. He went to Michigan as well. I think. Yeah, but is he even at Michigan? <laughs> we don't what's even know what's happening that? with that. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what's up with that. They haven't acknowledged it. That's very. It's a very strange situation. Because he's not a graduate, there might be some class stuff that has to be figured out before he announces. But or maybe Juwan Howard went and watched the film and was like, "Wait, this guy this really guy can't, can't shoot. shoot." Like I know you said he couldn't shoot, but like he won't shoot. Like, well, all yeah. right, let's dive into this. Okay, let's do it. Um, we'll start in 30 seconds. So we're right at the top of the 33rd minute here on the, uh, are there any particular angles that you want on this besides just kind of doing the obvious stuff? Well, we can talk about Justin first and, and who he was and what kind of player he was. And then let's move into who this opens opportunities for. Cause I think that's the biggest storyline for Indiana. Yeah, I agree. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain. Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know, I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Gene. So far, that one just keeps getting better every, every single time we hear it. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. If you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast chat mobbers. or watch those replays and see all the between segment banner, uh, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. All right. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. As I mentioned earlier, this episode was going to be our Justin Smith offseason breakdown. Just like last week, we really went in depth breaking down Al Durham, his strengths and weaknesses, what we expect from him this year. But then Justin decided to grad transfer. And so we want to take this time to just assess what the impact of that is going to be. And, you know, look, obviously Justin had a very interesting three years at Indiana. You know, just viscerally, I think we all kind of just felt like he was an enigma. You know, he left IU fans wanting more. And, you know, I think for that reason and for the fact that you saw the physical gifts and you saw the flashes, you know, a lot of the analysis about Justin ended up focusing more on things he didn't do than noting things he did do. Um, and there was a nice, healthy balance on on both sides. Um, you know, but I, I you, you start to you know kind of dig into his numbers and what he produced, and I think there's a really interesting barometer of his actual production, like just cut through, you know, kind of the emotional feelings, but just look at the production. 
And if you look at his Ken Palm similarity scores as a freshman, sophomore, and junior, so this is on the Ken Palm page, and he, you know, his entire database of players, you know, who are the five guys that this guy compares to from a statistical and physical standpoint? As a freshman, one of the top five comps was Victor Oladipo, his freshman season. As a sophomore, one of the top five comps was Juwan Morgan. And as a junior, interestingly, one of the top five comps was Devin Oliver, who you might remember from Archie Miller's Elite Eight team at Dayton. You know, so those are three really good players that when you just think, hey, you know, Justin Smith at those first three stages of his career was producing like those guys, it's like, huh, you know, there was obviously a lot of potential there. But what's interesting about those guys is that each one of them took a major leap in the season after the one in which Justin was compared to them. And the difference is that Justin has kind of stayed steady. You know, his, I found this interesting, his usage rate, his rebounding percentage, his effective field goal percentage, his block percentage, they were all the highest his freshman season. But his steal percentage, his turnover rate, his free throw rate, they were all best as a senior. So it's like he regressed in some areas, he got better in others, but ultimately could just never find his fit. And so, you know, before we kind of get into what this is going to mean, you know, Ryan, just your thoughts kind of on Justin, the player, what the Justin Smith experience was and kind of what you're going to remember it for now that at least in an Indiana uniform, it's over. Well, I remember the Michigan State game where he dropped several threes when we were there and they helped upset Michigan State. I, I thought that was that's the, his, the high point of his of his college career for me. His Indiana career, at least. I, I think it's, you know, with Justin, I think he's a very talented kid who never realized his full potential at Indiana. And that's part of the reason I think this is a good move. I, I think that you saw flashes of greatness out of him and flashes of the player he could be in five minute stretches, but there were, there were too many times that he disappeared during games, offensively and defensively. I mean, it's one thing if he disappeared offensively, but you got the elite defender that he could be because we saw times where he was an absolutely elite defender and should have been on an all-Big Ten defensive team for those if he had replicated those stretches. But then there are times where he just was looking off into the distance and a guy back cut behind him for an easy dunk. I mean, you know, it was things like that, and you're just wondering, is the light on with this kid? Now, Justin, by all accounts, great kid, incredibly smart, great off the court, you know, I, I, you know, everything you could want in a person. But speaking to just what he the performance on the court, some of the numbers, as you said, steadily got better. But watching games, you wouldn't necessarily think that it felt like it was he was the same guy for three years in, in a lot of a lot of respects. And so I just felt like there were a lot of times where he drifted through games. There was a lot of times where he just lost focus and there were a lot of times where then out of nowhere, he'd take two dribbles and hammer a dunk home. And you'd be like, dude, you can do that every time, every, every possession, you're capable of doing that. And it was almost like there wasn't this belief in himself that he could be as dominant as sometimes he looked. And so it's, it, it feels like a wasted opportunity. Obviously it isn't. Justin got a degree from the Kelly School, you know, spent three years playing in candy stripes and all that. But for Indiana, it felt like there's more there from Justin Smith that Indiana didn't get, and and maybe you know, and you can you can say the coaching staff just couldn't, maybe didn't get to him and 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 expand his game the way he should have or what, but it just feels like it was a missed opportunity in some. Look, I don't think there's any question about that. Whatever a better player-coach relationship could have unlocked or maybe the confidence that he wanted from his coach or, or whatever that could have, have helped with him, 
that wasn't there. And clearly that's a reason why he's moving on. If Archie and Justin had a great, we don't even need to speculate about that. If they had a great relationship and Justin felt comfortable the way he was being used, he wouldn't have left. You know, you can just tell that from the fact that he's leaving. You know, so coach, as, as we look at what this is going to mean now, you know, I really feel like, you know, Justin's presence on this year's team, it was going to serve two roles that would have been intention all year long. All right. You know, obviously his proven production, he's durable, he's experienced, his knowledge of the system, like that stuff is, you know, kind of easy to overlook, but it does matter, especially through a long season. I think that would have raised Indiana's floor. You know, you have Justin plus just his injury insurance, you know, for guys like Jerome Hunter and Race Thompson, like having Justin Smith was going to benefit you assuming that, you know, if he, you know, whatever the issues with the coach, like like if that wouldn't have been a detriment, that was going to raise Indiana's floor. But his offensive limitations, his inconsistent motor, again, maybe that uneasy relationship with the coach, I think that kind of would have lowered Indiana's ceiling too, you know, because he was still going to be getting a lot of minutes as a guy who's an incomplete player. And so I kind of look at this now like the governor is off the engine, right? Like Jerome and Race are going to get their close up. We're probably going to see more three guard lineups. There's going to be more lineups with shooting out there. I think there's a very real potential for Indiana to be more explosive offensively and maybe even better overall because of it. But we're also a lot more susceptible to issues from an injury, and we're relying on two really injury-prone players in Jerome Hunter and Race Thompson to fill those roles. And so that, I think, kind of it raises the ceiling, but I think it potentially lowers the floor too. So it just seems like him. you remove him, it just seems like it raises the variance on this season, and it's really easy to look at how it does it from the positive side, and there are definitely some legitimate reasons there. But there is definitely some downside risk to removing him from this roster and what it could mean if things don't go right. Yeah, absolutely. Credit to Justin getting a degree. And if you are going to leave a program, I think getting a degree or moving on to the NBA, that, that, that is acceptable for anyone. I'm not a big fan of people leaving, but if you are, he came to school, went to class, and, and represented Indiana well. It finally dawned on me this with Indiana and Justin Smith. If he were to play the four and give us maximum effort and be bought in, it's a huge loss for Indiana because that would have been really good given depth at the four and five, used his ability to uh, beat uh, those four men to the rim, offensive rebound, put him in a position where he was strong and utilized that. If he had to play the three, we're putting him at positions where he's not that strong at with ball handling and his turnover percentage and his lack of shooting. And if he's not happy at the four, even though he's talented at the four, then that's not a, a positive for Indiana. So it is a negative for our program that he left if he was bought in and accepted his role at the four. But I think that after everything that I've heard, that he wanted to play the three and get more shots from three and wanted promises that that would happen. Well, that just doesn't that's not good for Indiana, the team. That's good for Justin Smith, the player, but it's not good for Indiana, the team. And Archie Miller is in control of the team. I used to tell our parents in parent meetings, it's an upside down triangle. The player and and the parent are going to be the point of the triangle. And I'm going to be the base of the triangle. And it doesn't match up because I have to be worried about the base, everyone in the program and the whole program. And so does Archie Miller. And so I think it just came down to a win-win for both play, both people, Archie and the, and the team and that. So overall, I think Indiana is in a better shape overall because I don't think 
The desires of Indiana met what the desires of Justin Smith and his family wanted in a program. So, yes, the talent, the rebounding, the defending is going to be missed. But if it's not bought in, then that is talent that is not used to its potential. And that could be more of a negative than a positive. And that's when then you just have to go to that next man up and hope that the injuries don't come and you develop people uh, and maybe bring a guy in if you if you need to for depth purposes. But you move on and you handle it respectfully uh, as both uh, Justin and, and Coach Miller did. So I think it's a good it's an overall good move for Indiana. Not ideal. Um but I, I don't think there was much choice for either party in this one. It's worth noting that if Justin wants to shoot more, and, and I hope he goes and gets the opportunity to do that and works on his shot. We've been saying he needed to work on his shot since his freshman year, and there's a hitch in it and all that stuff. But it's worth noting that last year, Indiana's two worst offensive plays, anecdotally, were a Devontae Green step back and a Justin Smith pull-up jumper. I mean, it, it, you never felt like either of those had a chance to go in. Maybe they did. But you were never confident, and this is the guy who wants to shoot moving forward. That's not, you're right, it's not in Indiana's best interest to have that be part of the offense. You'd rather have Jerome Hunter out there if you want somebody to shoot, and and Jerome Hunter, especially within you know a year under his belt. So I just think that, again, it's a situation where, you're right, Coach, the desires of the player did not match up with the desires for the coaches or the team and what works out best for either. So this is kind of one of those splits where you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I understand it, and it doesn't feel acrimonious at all. All right, so then the question is, and Ryan, we'll go to you first since you're the president of his fan club. I mean, is Race Thompson ready for his close-up because he's going to get more minutes? You know, we'll see who starts, you know, and, and, you know, does Archie decide to start with Brunk and Trace so that, you know, maybe Brunk can, you know, maybe absorb some fouls early in a game that Trace doesn't get and let him ease into the game? There are some strategic reasons why you might do that, um, but, you know, when we're kind of talking about lineups, like, you know, what are the closing lineups? Who's going to be playing in crunch time? And I think, you know, pretty much any way you slice it, Trace and Race playing together at the five and the four, we all clamored for it last year because some of the best stretches that we saw was those guys playing together. And so even before I mean, we get even to Jerome, the beginning of the season, we decided yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And so, you and, know, look, we all have high hopes for Jerome, but before we get there, Race is it, you know, Race is clearly the guy that's going to step in and play meaningful minutes at the four. He's been a guy that we've seen him. He hasn't always been able to stay healthy. That's the big risk here. But there's big upside because, man, that guy has all the tools to be a role player on a really good team. You know, he's like the yeah. guys that you see Michigan State have, you know, and now we have that guy. So I can't wait to see what he can do with the opportunity. Well, it's interesting. And you look at his numbers from this year and you think, yeah, was he that good? Or but it's when he was on the floor, he affected the game the entire time, whether it was offensively, defensively. He didn't have to block a shot to affect it. He didn't have to, you know, he was re he recovered to his guy expertly defensively. He, he banged with bigger guys on the interior. Like, it's you know, everything you could have asked him to do, he did. Um, you also saw him step out and hit a three. You also saw him, and he's capable of doing that from his high school days. I mean, we, he, he obviously needs to get better at it, but he's capable of stepping out and knocking down a shot. That's not his primary game, but he can do it. Um, he scored a lot around the hoop. He got better at that as the season went along. As he got more comfortable playing at the college level, remember, he was essentially half a freshman entering this year because he missed so much time in his what would have been his redshirt freshman year. And his sophomore year, he suffered injuries too. So, you're right. It's an injured guy and you're relying a lot on him, but this is a guy who I think towards the end of the season has established himself as one of the more reliable players on Indiana's roster this year. Uh, he may not have been tearing it up minutes wise, but you knew you were going to get effort 
energy and you were, he was going to play the right way when he was in the game. He was going to go get rebounds. He was going to play defense. And if he got the ball on the block, he had the ability to turn around and put it in. He, he'll get more comfortable with that last one and with the offensive side of his game. But you knew that that guy was occasionally you'd see him once in a while lose a guy. But that happens to everybody throughout a, a game defensively. In general, he was as in tune with the defense as anybody on the court. And and I think that that's a guy who you have to have on the floor as much as possible. You're right. He may not start. You may start Trace at the four. I think Trace probably wants to play the four as well to be able to step out on the floor and prove he can shoot. But I think throughout the game, you're going to see those two guys, Trace and Race, are the best post combination Indiana has. And I think they're going to see that next year. And I think that he's going to have to play a lot of minutes. And yeah, I think he's ready. I mean, what we as long as he's healthy, he's ready. We saw it from him this year. He's ready. Yes. And, um, is the body you know, ready? That's really the question. It, yeah, that's that's this question. But it's like it's one of those things where it's not even really a, que- a question of is he from a skill perspective ready. He's, we saw it. He's he's the guy. It's just whether or not again he can stay healthy and hopefully he takes a leap. You know, this off season to where he can shoot a little better, where he can maybe step out and hit a ten footer consistently because he's going to get him with Trace sitting on the block and um, can step out on the floor and, and maybe knock down some threes. But this is a guy who can do it. I mean, he's really good. You, and if you're wondering about the diversity of his game, go watch this high school film. You know, that clearly a lot of that went out the window because of injuries. But is if he gets playing more, he's a guy who can shoot it. He can drive it a little, and it's a guy who can finish at the rim. You know, Coach, the other guy that obviously people are excited about and that will get more opportunity here is Jerome. And I think he's an interesting guy that, you know, has some potential to play the four, although I'd like to see him guard that position before I'm I'm really excited about that just on a matchup independent basis. I think he can do it against the right matchups. You know, but I will say I, I think one guy that gets lost in the shuffle every time we start talking about lineups and start talking about what's going to happen, even before this was Armand Franklin. And you know, the biggest thing that you lose with Justin Smith is the defense. I think we all agree that was kind of the most reliable part of his game. Archie is a defensive coach. And if Armand Franklin can show that he can hit a decent percentage of his threes, I think he's a guy who stands to potentially get more minutes because he's one of those other guys that has a real defensive mindset. If he can learn to play defense a little more with his feet than his hands, you know, that that we saw last year, which he's going to be a sophomore, I think he'll be able to do that. He might be able to steal some more minutes because I he just strikes me as a guy that Archie's going to be able to trust. And you want Jerome to get there. I definitely do, you know, but I think it's going to be, I just think it's going to be hard to keep Armand off the floor because of some of those things that he brings, especially given his defensive mindset, losing a guy like Justin. Yeah. And this opens up a lot of opportunities uh, for players to play now. Uh, If you know, and you never want to say you want to get rid of a guy who played 30 minutes and started 70 some games. Uh, but but when it when there is a divorce in that kind of way, now it opens up a whole lot of different avenues for Coach Miller. If he wants to play small and get three guards out there uh, with a, a variety of the four and five, he can do that. But what you have is you you have guys whose form is three capable. Now Armand didn't hit threes very well. Race was three of ten. Jerome struggled early, and then he hit thirty six percent in the Big Ten. But you look at all their forms; they can improve with a lot of work, which stretches the floor, which has been a problem. It makes your post better, uh, and so this this is going to make Indiana better offensively. the The key, as you said, is can Jerome guard the four? Can Armand get his hands off drivers and and guard with his feet, which was a big problem for him. But that's what progression is. The only concern is they haven't been 
in a gym here so far when, when summer would have started. But if they're working on their own, and you got to believe they are working on their own, that's the progression that's going to be made, and we'll see that in those players. But Armand will fill that in. And the other thing is, I was discounting, not discounting, but thinking that the freshmen would come in and have a minimal role, and they'll pop here a game or pop there a game or whatever. But it might open up a spot for someone. If defense is needed, it might tend to go one way. If an athlete's needed one way or shooting. But don't be surprised if one of these freshmen pop into more of a role than we expected now with Justin Smith being gone. All right, Ryan, a couple minutes left. Let's hit the Jerome aspect of this. Because obviously he's the guy I think who stands to benefit the most offensively from this. Yeah, and and, and talking about whether he can guard the four, I see a lot of people questioning that. Um, he's more of a perimeter guy, but he's the same size as Justin. He's six seven two. He's 220, Justin listed at 230. I mean, they're the same size, and Jerome has longer arms, and we started to see him play better defense down the stretch. Now, do I think he's going to sit there and, and play against a post-oriented power forward and play great? No, that's what you have Race Thompson for. That's what you have TJD for. I mean, this is a guy who's more of a perimeter guy, but he spreads the floor, and what that's going to do is open up Indiana's offense. Even if you slide him in at the four, he can spread the floor in the corner. You've got four perimeter guys, and Trace Jackson Davis is by himself in the post. If somebody comes to double, you're going to have an open look from three. You're going to get the defense chasing. Whereas with Justin Smith, they could sag off a solid 10 feet and you know sort of wave at Trace Jackson Davis and make it look like they were sort of semi-doubling him before the pass even got there. So I think that's a huge aspect here. Jerome, remember, hit the reset button on his basketball playing ability after his freshman year because he sat out the entire year and it wasn't like he was working out or taking getting shots up or anything. He had to sit out the whole year. Last year was his first real year of basketball in a full year, and we saw him get progressively better as the year went on, get progressively uh, come more comfortable on both ends of the floor. I think we're going to see a different player this year. If the progression can continue, you're going to see a guy who's confident, who knows he can do it. He's certainly not shy about shooting it. I mean, we saw that. And He wants to get he the paper. Really, he really struggled early in the season, and it looked like Coach and I would come on here and say, well, his form's fine. He's just releasing it a split second early or late. Like it's His form is fine. Finally, he started to dial that in, and as you said, he shot, what, 36% in Big Ten play? Now imagine that with another year and some more legs under him from working out all the time. This is a guy who can make a big leap for Indiana. And, and I think that the way he's going to do it is important again, because he spreads the floor. He's not going to clog the lane for Trace Jackson Davis opens up the floor. It just doesn't like that lane gets clogged so much for Indiana because of the lack of shooters. This will change that. And I think if you get Ray Thompson, a guy who can handle the ball in the perimeter a little, you're doing the same thing. Yeah, well, look, there's obviously plenty more to to dissect with this topic. We will in future shows, but you know, I think generally we all agree that this is probably in the best interest of both parties for Justin to you know to move on. We'll see whether it benefits Indiana or whether we come to February and really are wishing uh, you know that we still had him. Um, but you know, we wish Justin well. Hopefully, he finds a good spot where he can really flourish, and uh, hopefully, the Hoosiers can flourish in his absence as well. All right, coming up in our third and final segment, we're going to answer your questions, including one about scheduling and another one about how Archie might use his extra scholarship and then whatever else we have time for. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Okay. You know, the other thing, I mean – you know, we're all excited about Jerome. I have 
huge high hopes for Jerome. You know, I still just with with he and race, I'm just a little bit worried. I mean, Jerome had a really serious condition, has a really serious condition that it's not like it's just magically gone. You know, they're learning how to manage it. And so that's the other worry here is, you know, if you have any flare ups of that, if you know, if 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 Ray struggles to stay healthy, that's where this becomes a little bit dicey. If you tell me yeah. that those guys are going to be healthy all year and they just make a normal progression, then I think Indiana's going to be better off with this because they are they just provide dimensions individually that Justin just couldn't do. You know, I just hope they're available for all the games and as many minutes as they can be. I don't have reason to think they won't be other than just what we've seen in the past. That's it. I, I just have a feeling Jerome's minutes will still be monitored and watched. That's why I'm not sure he gets into the starting lineup right away. Yeah. I guess you can monitor minutes from the starter spot if you wanted to, I guess, but they'll find spots to use him within the game and get his 18 to 22 minutes, but they're probably on a pattern of six minutes here, four minutes there, whatever. I believe there's probably something health-wise in that, that he's not just play as much as you want him to play yet. It's not even a probably. Uh, that's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So Jerome, and then, Are we talking about Jerome? Yeah. Jerome. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure limited, there's some... Do you think he'll be limited next year? I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know it that just depends on how everything progresses, you know? it's yeah. it. I mean, I'd love it, to him play 30 minutes if he's playing yeah, and playing well, but yeah. I think I think he'll get into 20 to 22 because of the health to try to keep him going like they did this year. What do you have this year? 14, 15 minutes? I don't have the numbers. It wound up about 13 and 13. change. But obviously but that I, that'll, is, that, that'll go that, up. That factored in the early season. Where right. Um, race race is just a victim of toughness, playing hard. I mean, he comes down and gets a concussion. I don't know what happened in, in the practice, but just like that Michigan State, you know, he was going hard and playing hard and just got knocked off. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it was just bad and, luck. Then his uh, back so got I was, hurt, I was so. wrong. I, I got them mixed up. Uh, Hunter was 14.4. Race was 13.6. Okay. So both of those will go up tremendously into sure. the low 20s. Yeah. Um, and I think race will have a chance to go up more simply because he's not dealing with the, with that perennial health issue. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I, don't, uh, I don't, I don't really mind Smith, Justin Smith. I'm sure people know this, but just a reminder, Justin Smith led Indiana in minutes last year with 30.4 a game. So there's plenty of minutes to get up. And the guy we didn't talk about on air on the radio, you know, that we'll talk about between seconds, Jordan Geronimo. I mean, that's a guy who's, we just don't know what to expect from him really. His ability as a, you know, as far as like his, you know, what people think about him, he's climbing like he's got a rocket ship up his butt. I mean, he's, he's, he's jumping up as far as all around ability goes. And he's a guy who you look at the profile, he's a better shooter, I think, than Justin. Maybe not, you know, as big as Justin, uh, you know, as far as bulk goes. But he's a guy who does a lot of the same things. He's athletic. Yeah. He can take it to the hole. He's a defender. He's got long arms. I mean, Obviously, he's not going to be where Justin was, you know, as a freshman, but he's a guy who can, you know, this gives him an opportunity to showcase himself. And, yeah. you know, we've seen guys take that and run with it before. It might take a while, but that's a guy a lot of people inside and outside of this program are very excited about. It also and, gives you know, Galloway. Who, yeah, I was just going to mention know, Galloway. I've heard inside, you know, from, from people saying that really high on Galloway and Geronimo. Um, from inside the program and that defense and that toughness for spot minutes or maybe more than spot minutes. But if you're looking to replace that defense that Smith led, said so go out there and get yeah. this guy for three yeah. or four minutes. Uh, Galloway's going to rip off those candy stripes, not pinstripes, pinstripes. candy stripes. <laughs> that was 
Yeah, that's just a that's just a unforced. No, I mean no. I mean, look, he deserves criticism. He put it out there publicly. That's an unforced. Did he delete it? I saw him delete that tweet initially. I don't know. Not correct. No, I came back. It was. Well, you know, and we got it. We got to talk about too. Is you know, this could affect the guard rotation, and it could move Hunter or somebody else down to the four, and they could just go with three guards on the perimeter. I mean, Al is six. What six four? He could guard somebody on the wing. I mean. He's got long no. arms too. Now, whether he can stay with them, I don't know. That's got to improve, but he's certainly got the size to do it. Uh, to to you know, a six four guy can guard a six six guy, a six seven guy if he's got long arms, and, and Al does that. Le- that allows you to put Lander on the floor and put Rob on the point guard. You know, defend the point guard. I mean, there's there's a lot of mix and match type stuff you could do. Trey Galloway brought the ball up this year for Culver Academies. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of mixing and matching you can do. And quite frankly, not having Justin locked in as a starter opens up a lot of those possibilities for Indiana. A lot of mix and match lineups. You know who your you know who your center essentially is going to be. I know Trace probably would like to be <clears throat> power forward, but you know who the middle guy is going to be. Everything else around him, you got a lot of guys who can play and play pretty well. I looked at opposing lineups, and most of them had guys that were six 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 five, at the you know or or below one two three. There were only three or four schools that extended a six nine guy to the three you know spot where you know then you wonder what the matchup's going to be for the three guards, but then they would have to guard on the other end as well. Uh, so you know I was worried about that. I love the three guard lineup, so I went looking. Okay, what's going to happen when you got all these big small forwards that we have to guard? But really. And rosters change year from year, but last year there were only three or four schools that went really big, three, four, and five, that would put someone like Armand or L out of position at the three defensively. I just, you know, it's just going to be so nice to not have to watch lineups with three non-shooters. Like, I don't, I'm not, like, I feel like once we get into this season, we're going to look back at the previous two seasons be like how did we watch that <laughs> because, exactly i mean it was so painful to Take watch it. by the way by the way it God. hit me the other day i i have to say you're you're talking about looking back on seasons it hit me the other day this will be our 10th season yes like somehow 10 feels way bigger than <clears throat> nine like you're in your ninth season like yeah we're in our ninth season it's double now digits 10, man it's like oh my god yeah like, it feels much double bigger, digits so. Take let's it. make it a, let's make it a good one guys one huh? step further that a couple guys are leaving that would be up and down guys. Um, and maybe we have more consistent players or even players yeah. who might not might have bad games, but effort is not ever coming into the discussion. You know, you, you might have an L Durham that gets two points and three turnovers and have a bad game, but no one ever questions L Durham wanting to play and wanting to play hard. I don't. Um, and so it's going to be nice to say, okay, you know, there, there, there wasn't some, possessions that were taken off or hopefully uh we don't know yeah. that for sure but yeah <clears throat> all right let's hop in and do segment three here oh wait I need, to do, I need to do some math real quick say something interesting ren <laughs> oh by the way i've started uh hosting some zooms at work really um, wait, whoa make you whoa whoa oh i'm not i'm not doing whoa. it for assembly call what are you talking about i'm not no Hosting, like actually yeah, hosting. logging into Zoom and pulling up the, the window and emailing people the link a week in advance to make sure they have it for when they're going to be not coming a week, on? just like five oh, minutes. Okay, it's, I interviewed Brandon Tierney from uh, Tiki and Tierney, and our our video guy wow. couldn't do it, so I just recorded it myself. All this Ten time, year you anniversary had this capability. 
All this time. Brian hosts the this. 10th year anniversary. No, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen because Jared wants his drops, and I can't do that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, right, okay, now, quickly, what do you think probably. the chances are of Maui happening? I in think Ma- the tournament will happen. I, I think if the tournament will happen, I think it'll happen in Maui, and but I think that it will be no fans. Oh. Right as of today. I think, but I'm still going to try and go as a media member. Nice. Schools, families, and government leaders are finally on alert over teen vaping. But before we can solve it, we need to understand it. One, the draw is flavors. 97% of kids who vape use flavors. Two, kids often don't know they're vaping nicotine, let alone a concentrated formula. Three, nicotine's addictive, and it's also a neurotoxin that can increase teen anxiety. Nicotine is brain poison, and flavor is the hook. Do something at flavorshookkids.org. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thanks, Devante. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That is IU to 66866. Or go to assemblycall.com. All right, guys, time for the mailbag. All these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community at assemblycall.com slash community. And let's hit uh, Jeff's question first. You know, you look at Indiana's non-conference schedule right now. Who's your slated to be in Maui? They'll be in the Gavit games, Big Ten ACC Challenge game, which will probably be on the road. Crossroads Classic against Butler. It would be nice to have, you know, kind of a marquee home game. But just generally for the schedule, is there a matchup out there that you guys would like to see Indiana get? Not Kentucky, not Arizona, like not one of the ones that we often talk about, but is there one that you would love to see Indiana get on the schedule? Ryan, do you uh, have any ideas? Here's a what about Villanova? I think that'd be Ooh, a fun one. Two classic, at the Palestra. Two classic programs, do a home and home. I would say if I was going to say I would say Villanova create a new rivalry. Villanova they just scheduled or, one with somebody. Yeah, I saw that. Like Villanova or like what about Go nuts and schedule Gonzaga. Like that's Ooh, a fun. That'd be one. that'd be good. Go up I'd be to down Spokane for that. to their tiny gym one year. You're going to be prepared for every road game you go to. Bring them into IU. You know, play them early in the season. I think I, I think those are two. Or you could always go the short route and do Dayton. I mean, it's Archie's former home. You know, like I'm sure they'd be down to host a Big Ten team. So. I, I love I the idea of going on the road and, and playing a tough road game. You know, I know coaches probably don't like Dayton, it quite as much. <laughs> Dayton is a great arena, and it gave great fans. Villanova would be a fantastic one, and I think Gonzaga would be fun. Those are three I, like pipe dream ones that I would love to see. Yeah, go 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 to Ohio because you want to recruit in that bed of Indiana plus circle. You could do Cincinnati, Xavier, Dayton. All of those would be kind of Archie probably gets Archie probably gets a nice ovation from the Dayton crowd as well. I mean, on, let's be honest. You know, UCLA. The UCLA, Bruins, a good one. Pauley Pavilion, Assembly a, Hall, the old yep. 1970 Classics. battles when Knight was first going up against Wooden. The Steve I'd Alford like Classic, perhaps? Yep. yep. Um, 
No, that would be Nevada now. Is it Nevada? He's in Nevada now? Yeah. Wherever. Yes, wherever he is. I have a um, picture of him around here somewhere. You do. You do. Uh, okay. Sally asked a question on the scholarship situation. You know, now that Demisi is gone, Justin Smith gone, Indiana has two scholarships open, only 11 scholarship players right now. Uh, you know, as Sally said, you keep hearing about a grad transfer. What about someone with the potential to be redshirted? You know, kind of a regular transfer who could come sit out a year and play. I would say, yes, Archie and the staff would definitely welcome any opportunity like that, I would imagine. Um, but what do you guys think they will do, you know, with that scholarship? They're obviously not going to run and just fill it because that's not Archie's No, it's not his MO. style. It has to be the right player, and and I think they will fill it. I, I just think having being too light going into the season is interesting. I mean, especially from a pr- practice perspective, you want to have that extra body. I think if they're looking for a sit guy, a guy who's going to sit for a year, it would be a post player because right. they lose a lot next year. They'd have Logan Duncan basically by himself in the front court uh, with probably Ray Thompson, and... They would lose a lot. And so you get a guy who maybe can come in and sit a year, learn how to, you know, hedge out on the court and practice and and do all of those things. Um, yeah, I think it would be a post guy if they're doing a guy who's going to sit. If not, if they're doing a guy who would play right away, I would assume it would be a wing to kind of replace the the Justin Smith exit, maybe a wing shooter. Um, but not just, just more a flyer minutes. on a guy who's going to take a scholarship no, no, it'd have to in, be a, in a few cycles. It's it. got to be someone you actually yeah. believe in. Yes, you know, for you're sure. Not, you're if not going to see Archie just give one just to fill no. the spot. The, those no. days are over. He would rather no. go into the to the years with ten scholarship players Agreed. than have one filled by a guy he doesn't believe in. I think he'd give one of those to a to a a walk on rather than than fill it with a guy who he doesn't know and doesn't believe can help the team. And Archie's played small before. That if the post got thinned out by injury, you you know you got three to play the five if needed to. You could go real small. He's played small, so that I don't think it's a pressing need. And you got to be careful so you don't ruin the development of the guys that you now have in. It's got to be sure. a really good fit. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So you know it'll be interesting to see. You just got to watch the names. Like I think there was a guy, it was a guy from Virginia, no St. John's. There was a guy from St. John's who's a pretty good player. No, I think he's a grad transfer. You know, but look, it's almost like every other day there's like an interesting name that's popping up, you know, either as a regular transfer, as a grad transfer. So, you know, keep your eyes on it. I'm sure Indiana will be. And if they are able to find an opportunity to fill that scholarship, um, they definitely will uh, do that. Real quick, coach, we got about 10 seconds left from Patrick. Do you think this will be the first year Archie does not have to coach effort? And how does that change things for coaches? 10 seconds. Yes, and it's just a pleasure when that's out of the way and you can focus on the other things that that help you win. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back again to talk with you next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I don't like carrots. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, LJ Figueroa is the same. Yes, Sam LJ Jones Figueroa, guy, that's the guy. And he would be a fit for what they need right now. Yeah, good him. shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Shooter you guys... can score, kind of a kind of a tough guy. I watched him play a little bit last year. He's 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 fun. He'd fit, but everybody else wants him too. You know, yeah. I mean this is that would be a tough pull.
Did you guys see uh, Tyler Asher's suggestion of border battle? And I would say, uh, chat mob, even add Butler on the Indiana side of the four colleges and Ohio State. Uh, that would be an interesting round robin of, of games. Uh, yeah, Xavier, there. Cincinnati, and Dayton were those I, the suggestions. You know, I have to say, I like that idea a lot. Like if we had unlimited slots in the non-conference, that's fun. I really think with any open slot we get, We've got to try, and look, we need to win games to earn this privilege, but I, th- I really think we need to try and get some like national marquee games. Like Obviously, Maui's going to be on a big stage. The Crossroads Classic is great. It's just not a big marquee game. You know, and so if there's a way to kind of get one of those rivalry, you know, games going or get in one of those, you know, those other classics or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. That, that one, I think, is the next big, step for the one program. One big road game, one big... Yeah. That's what I would like I- to see. I get it. I get it too because you got to play your buy-in games to get your wins to get to the NCAA tournament. But I'd rather play eight really good games. And you look back at some of those old, you know, you're playing. I know Kansas State wasn't Kansas State then, but that was your non-conference yeah. schedule. Was Kansas State, Providence? You're running those through in the in the '80s and and early '90s, and now it's you only got five slots for big big programs and six buy-in games coaches a real bold scheduler when he's not the one drawing up the game plan hey, exactly. uh-huh, the, right. exactly. it's easy to do that from here schedule tough archie on, hey. and then come on the radio and come on archie you this, this yeah like, this this recliner is a great scheduling you went to gonzaga <laughs> on the road who's ranked number three and got your ass kicked what is your problem uh, <laughs> every bracketology is a children's show sesame street <laughs> okay um, that's it. There's a few more. The schedule would be good. Yeah. Oh man. Who'd you play? Who'd you beat? That's the question. Uh, coach, this is from Patrick. Can you paint a picture of what drills players are able to work on and develop while working out from home and what they're limited in? For example, with things like shooting one-on-one moves, agility and strength, take a step forward or take a step back. What do you think guys are doing? What can they do? Well, obviously they're going to do stuff with the basketball in their hand more than that. It's, it, I think without having the weight room and the weight coach, I think the, the concern is your, is your strength and agility. Can you get into a local gym? Do you have it at home? That's going to be the spot that is, is going to be weaker than what normally you would do. Now, they usually take the month of May off right after – or a couple of weeks after um, after uh, the finals, and then they come back for summer session, right? So um, – you know, they miss some of that stuff in the spring. But, yeah, the, the, obviously get a workout from the coaching staff. If you work with good pace on your own, uh, you can get up shots in the driveway. You can get up shots any anywhere and, and help your game. Your ball handling, your shooting ability will be improved. Can't work on defensive scheme. because, And that's another concern, too, because you need to teach that even in small segments uh, of offseason work, uh, even if you don't have the whole team. But the strength one is in, in this – in the way the game is going now, strength is the big concern. Can you get your guys through Zoom to go and, and do things wherever they're allowed to go uh, and build that strength and agility that they need to play, And uh, especially with someone like Christian Lander where we need to get a few pounds on him as quick as possible? Were you, uh, were you impressed by the bicep curl video on social media from Christian nope, Lander? Nope, didn't even see it. <laughs> I was more impressed. Wasn't there a picture of the guys getting together in Bloomington? Yes. I don't know if it was Leo's house or All whatever. the Indiana like, guys, yeah. All, all, yeah, so, um, you know, that – I think they're itching to get together. And that, that feeds that last question where we only had 10 seconds. Um, when you have buy-in from all your guys, uh, it is so much easier to coach. And, and you never have 100% buy-in. Uh, there's always going to be issues in, in any organization, any team. 
but it's better when you have guys who are buying in and accepting their roles and eager to be with each other and enjoying to be around than splinters. Um, it's also, it's and I also, think that shows now. It's also a big win when they all like each other. Yeah, like absolutely. It's a simple thing, but when guys get along, they want to spend time with each other and they want to get better together. You know, they and they want to help each other and they want to work I mean, together. The Bronx Bombers won and they hated each other, but that's just that's abnormal. You know, yeah, well, there were also what like twelve major league teams at the time or something. They all, all three of us them. like each other, yeah. right? Hey, we wouldn't. Yeah, it's that guys. bottoms guy that messes up it's the that bottoms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ryan's being right, guys, stupid I gotta again. Go. I gotta go. Enjoy Thank you. it and live it up. Okay. Enjoy. I'm glad you enjoyed the beard. It may not be here next time. So mm, bye, guys. We'll, we'll we'll be waiting on pins and needles. <laughs> see you, man. Um, let's see. Last question. Eric said, "We here's have- the here's the thing about the workout yeah. too, Jared. That yeah. no matter you take your best player and your hardest worker, and they're working on their game, but they never work as hard without that push yeah. from the organization and, and and the coaching staff and and that and." And so you hope you have enough guys that are driven individually, but it's never as good as obvious. I mean, I'm being Mr. Obvious here. And, and so that's another, uh, we're trying to do that with our high school guys, trying to keep in touch with them, trying to get them out in their driveway, but it's just not nearly the same. You wish it, you wish it were, but the two concerns for me are defense. Are you putting in your defense? Uh, and are you as strong as you, as you can for the players that you need to, to get in and just to assimilate the guys to being on campus? I mean, and it's a lot easier the, these days when kids have flown to Las Vegas for trips and been to, you know, I think it's easier to take a kid from home and put them on campus nowadays than it was back in the day. So that's not as huge, but it's still part of it, getting them on campus, getting them ready to the grind of class, uh, get them their academic advisors, all that is missing. So you're going to jumpstart that all at once. And hopefully this June thing and our health is okay that we can get moving. This is, I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about every year though, but I think this team is together uh, as much as possible right now mentally. And it'll just, I just think it's got to be better. And that's ultimately with the news of this week, uh, I feel a little bit, a, a little bit even better, even though it's a physical loss. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the thing I think that we're going to find about this season without Justin Smith is like you look at the production stuff, like there's a lot of things he brought to the table. Generally speaking, Indiana fans did not enjoy the experience of watching him play basketball. Like that's just, they just didn't, you know, like stylistically, there was just something there that didn't quite mesh. I think part of it is that it was a bad fit, you know, between player and system and coach. And like, I just think those things didn't fit. And it's hard to watch things that don't fit. And lineups didn't fit. Like it just, you know, it always felt like you were kind of having to run uphill, you know, with some of the lineups that were out there. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, this guy's talented, but a lot of times, fair or not, he was kind of the piece that felt out of place. He and Brunk, right? And Brunk, obviously, there was a lot of discussion about that last year, but then Justin, too. And so when you remove that and now guys can slide into some other roles and the offense, it feels like it's going to fit a little bit better. That's going to be a lot more obvious than defensively some of the small little things Justin did, which the coaches clearly really appreciate of being in the right place, you know, kind of being really understanding the defense as well as everybody. Most of us aren't sensing that on every possession, you know, so like that's not going to change in the viewing experience. But I just think there was something about that that just didn't fit. And when you remove that, I think that's going to make the experience of watching the team play more aesthetically pleasing. Now, hopefully the wins come as well. But, uh, you know, I just yeah. think there's going to be an element of that. And credit our fan base, you know, and every fan base 
can get crazy and, and have its rose colored glasses and all that stuff and be overcritical and, and every group does, but our, our fan base is, is smart in general, depending on where you sit on whose fault <laughs> this is and that is, but we're generally smart. And one of the things we're smart about is playing hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and showing that you care about Indiana. And, and I know there are some schools where it's more of a minor leagues to the, you know, to the NBA and all those things, but that's just not Indiana basketball. And, it, uh, you know, I'm very careful because, you know, Justin is a really good young man, smart, got his degree. Uh, but, you know, you have Devonte and Justin who throughout the three years that Archie's been here, there's been some Instagram posts that were somewhat questioned about the coach being too tight or too, you know, not letting people play. It just was bad mixes. Um, and, and that could be a coach issue too. So depending on, yeah. on where you're at, but, um, you can only lead the horse to water. Uh, you can't make him drink. And, and it, it was, that's just hard to hide from the Indiana fan base. And, and I think that's where I, my comments the week before were about, or last week about being unfair is some of that stuff bothered me so much that I don't know that I saw the production as much as I should have seen the production. Yeah. And to some extent, I don't apologize for that because that's what I see. That's what I fell in love with with Indiana basketball, and that's what I think Indiana basketball should be. Uh, and and I try to understand when it's not that things change, but th- those um, those types of things aren't going to be missed. Uh, the the production things will be missed from him. I think it's. I absolutely think that his production is underrated by IU fans. Yes, I I, would I also think it's justified. <laughs> And I think when you and, and you know it's silly, but I think when you see in a goodbye message saying pinstripes instead of candy stripes, like it's a little detail. Look, it's the little things, but little things matter. Right, and that's just something that a guy who's bought in—that's not a mistake you make after three years. It's just not, you know. Like if you are embracing, and so I thought I, the same I, thing. When you know, I first so, saw so I think there just wasn't an embrace there. You know, on, on got, either side. I, so I got text about that. Um, yeah. my son, who is a manager, he, you know, um, not to throw him under the bus, but he, he said pinstripes. I mean, well, that's yeah. a source of, that's a source of pride. Yeah, Those candy stripes, whether they're, they're, they're good or bad, depend on everyone else in America probably thinks we're goofy, uh, for wearing them and loving them, but that's who we are. I mean, I got my basement painted in cream and crimson and, um, that, that's, that's who we are. But I agree with your statement there. That's what I first thought when I saw it. And other people had mentioned that too. And if that's petty, so be it, but. The buy-in guys, it's so much easier to coach buy-in guys, girls in your in, in on your teams because then the other things take care of it. We won a sectional this year. Why? Because we had buy-in. Did we have perfect buy-in? No. We had issues. You always have parents. We had a guy who decided to go somewhere else uh, at the end of the season. Um, but for most of the part, they liked each other and they got along. And, and you can't hide that. And I think that that overshadowed a lot of the, the productive parts of both of the players that um, – that that we felt that way about yeah I, you know i just think ultimately it was a relationship that didn't work and sometimes that happens and hopefully you can part and and wish each other well you know at the end of the day in justin's third year he led us in minutes on a team that was going to go to the ncaa tournament and was playing pretty well at the end of the year and might have done something you know so like it wasn't for nothing you know he wasn't a you know a zero like he did some things you know in his three years but I hope he does a lot more things wherever he goes than he probably would have done at Indiana, and I hope that our team is better off and that we look back on it. It's like, you know, sometimes these work out well for both parties, and this one worked out well for both parties. So uh, last question 
Uh, Chris, I've heard concerns of IU's defense taking a step back with Justin leaving, but could it be better with more three-guard lineups with guys in their natural positions, which we kind of covered? My understanding is the pack line is designed to stop penetration, and last year it seemed like they struggled with that aspect, and that led to open looks. Al was playing out of position. Rob never really seemed 100%. With Al and Armand playing more at a natural wing position and Rob or Christian more on the ball, this seems more like the right personnel for the pack line. Could the defense be better with this lineup? Oh, absolutely. And and I and it's not a knock at, at Justin at all. It's just another year in the system. And I do think part of L's struggles defensively is because he had to play quicker guards. If, if he's going to be able to, if they decide to play him at the three, those guys are more, you know, three and D types. You know, every once in a while you get a guy who can drive from that spot, um, but it's more um, like L. And so it moves people down. The question would be is can Lander come in and be the defender that Rob was on the ball? Because on the ball pressure of your point guard is very, very vital in this defense. Or maybe uh, Rob guards the point guard and, and you put um, Lander or whoever you have starting at, at, at the two guard. I do think it, it will be better. I think Joey Brunk will be better in situations. Uh, I think maybe a year of having the coaching staff will make a decision on how to do this, the ball screens and all that that better fits his personality or his ability uh, to do things. Um, but I, I think, yes, it, it will it will get better. It was in the 30s, 26th, I think, in, in Ken Palm. Uh, I, I look back at tempo. I did a thing this week for us in the community on tempo, and, and Indiana's tempo went from 250 to 215 to 206, I think that's got to be a lot better, um, and their offense got better, but nearly not nearly enough. But I think that's personnel driven. So, um, yeah, I think I think the defense can be better because it you again the team is ready to to be together. I think a lot of the problems defensively last year, Jared, was when things didn't go well offensively. The team hung their head and then gave up a twenty to two. You know, um, who was it? Jay put together the stats that. We played better on the road yes. defensively. Better, well, much better defensively on the road. Think about this, everyone. Go back. We were in that Penn State game and then gave up a run at like the 11-minute mark, 10-minute mark. It was a six-point game at Maryland with 12 or 13 minutes to go and then gave up a 20-2 to two run. And so when we got blown out on the road, it was more of a pouting, woe-is-me situation. Um, now some of those kids are back. Uh, guys, they're not kids. Guys are back. So we got to fix that if it, if any of those guys were responsible for that. But again, if the offense is flowing, you get fired up to come back and play defense, and you should be able to play defense no matter what. But this team has shown that their defense really went south when when the offense got stagnant, and then you know it just kind of rolled down the hill. So maybe a lot of that helps with the defense as well. Here's the other thing to think about with the defense too is transition defense is going to be affected. And last year when Indiana was playing poorly, transition defense was a culprit. Now, part of that was the offensive doldrums and then you're not hustling back or it's a live ball turnover. But the other part of it, you know, go back and look at what Archie did at Dayton. His first three teams at Dayton, where again, he's you know kind of working with another guy's players, getting his system in. They were in the top 100 nationally in offensive rebounding percentage. You know, so they really were because of the makeup of the rosters. They were hitting the offensive glass because they needed to for offense. And look, his third team at Dayton, they were 87th in the country in offensive rebounding percentage and went to the Elite Eight. But none of those defenses were in the top 72. You know, his first two defenses at Dayton were both sub 100. His final three years at Dayton, where he's got his system in, he's got his players recruited. Their offensive rebounding percentages 
in terms of national rank, 337th, 205th, 288th. Their adjusted defensive efficiencies, 30th, 15th, and 43rd. And it's always been part of Archie's philosophy, and I think generally a pack line deal, that you're going to sacrifice some offensive rebounds to go get back and get your defense set up. Well, when you're playing Joey Brunk, Trace Jackson Davis, and Justin Smith, guess what? You're going to need to go get offensive rebounds because you have the personnel to do it and you need the extra points. That's you know you got to get the shot volume. So that hurt Indiana defensively. Now what you're going to see is more lineups that are offensively balanced that aren't going to have to rely on those offensive rebounds. And frankly, you know, you've uh, because of attrition, you've gotten rid of some guys that were the most common culprits of not getting back fast on defense. And so that's one area where I really think I think it's going to allow Archie Miller to get into a comfort level with the way that he wants to coach, which is let's get back on defense and set up. You know, and that right there, I think, could be, you know, an underrated, overlooked reason why the defense could get better even without Justin. That that's an excellent point because you always decide how many guys you're sending to the glass, and, and you're right. Indiana was better offensively by getting offensive rebounds, so you're going to send three to the glass at least. Uh, now you'll probably just send two to the glass if he feels comfortable scoring from outside and getting some scoring from other places other than offensive rebounds. And, again, if you play two guards or two point guards or two somewhat like point guards, depending on, you know, where you classify Armand and L, you can just have a get-back guy and a half, you know, fullback, halfback is what we talked in, in high school. You can really set your transition defense. And so, you know, the credit goes, you know, when Tom Crean came in and he had those first three years, he played his offense the way he wanted to get the system going so he wouldn't have to teach it year in and year out. And, and a lot of people were upset with him because he didn't run stuff that was he could run with the guys that he had. Archie's come in and kind of molded his own beliefs to the teams that he's had. Uh, and you wonder if that's going to, you know, that's his new way of coaching in the Big Ten, or is he going to get back to more what he believed was Dayton? Was it a Dayton style that wasn't Dayton and IU style, or was it Archie Miller style? And, and to some credit, I think you got to give credit to Archie for saying, hey, we got bigs, so we got to go with a big philosophy, even though I want to play small instead of being stubborn and, 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 and playing that way. So that's going to be fascinating both on the offensive end and on the defensive end. But I do think, again, that uh, defensive transition will be a lot better, as you said, because of, of not having to send. I mean, if you don't send Justin Smith to the glass from the three spot, you're, you're not you taking advantage of his strengths. So I yeah. guess that's what I'm saying. Archie was trying to take advantage of his strengths and giving up something maybe on the back end. But I also think it's guards. I, I don't think Rob played very well overall, uh, as well as he can. I think he will be better. Uh, and I think, again, you, you want your other guards to play better in recognizing getting back on defense uh, and getting the ball stopped. So it, some of it is scheme, but I also think it's just better technique from those guys you expect to get back and, and get that ball stopped. Yep. Okay. Well, We'll see. It's all speculation right now. That's what we got in the offseason. But I think we're, you know, I just, there's a lot of excitement for this roster, you know, and it's never good to lose a guy who's going to be a senior, but I haven't, you know, like if Christian Lander couldn't have reclassified, that would have dissipated some of the excitement. You know, I don't, I don't sense that from IU fans. I think, again, because I, you know, I think there's a general sense that this is going to end up being a good fit for both parties uh, if things go well. So I, I really can't wait to see it. It's, it's fun doing some of these lineup discussions. You know, and you start, you're talking about, you know, well, Al could play the three. It's like, yeah, okay, let's put out the three. Now, what are you doing with Jerome? And where's Trey Galloway getting his minutes? And how's Jordan Geronimo going? And it's like, Everywhere you look on the roster, you've got useful pieces that you could conceivably see play. 
when was the last time that there was a roster like that <clears throat> from yeah. top to bottom? You know, like everybody seems useful and could fill a role. It's awesome. That you know, it's a challenge for the coach. He's got to keep everybody happy, but it's really nice in terms of just having some of that depth of talent. And in Archie's third year, he had a chance to see guys for multiple years and really pinpoint what kind of guys he wanted in here, where, you know, his first year and second year, he might have had to take a chance on a guy based on position or whatever, you know, a Demisi that didn't work out, a Forster didn't work out. Um, you know, you got to roll the dice sometimes. Well, now he's had a little bit more time to uh, to see these guys, and all 11 of these guys have something that you wouldn't mind seeing them out on the floor. Obviously, some are better than others at this point just because of experience. But you wouldn't mind seeing a, a, a zone defense against IU and throw Anthony Leal in there if he's going to play, you know. And you wouldn't mind any of those guys redshirting. There, there's just so many op- options right now because you got guys that are, are really fitting into, uh, I guess, the, the blueprint that, that we're hearing. So, But we would be excited no matter what. I've known this show now for five, six years, and we've always been excited. Here we are, almost a half decade since our last NCAA tournament game, but we are still <laughs> excited. <laughs> We're going to get there. I tell you, anything, anything sports, I'm, I'm watching horse racing, Jared, <laughs> on, on the computer, yelling for the five horse to come in. <laughs> I don't know how much more I can take this. I need some, I need some Indiana athletics. I need some baseball. Uh. I, two weeks from today, golf. I'm gonna wake up at seven. They better televise that whole golf tournament. Get me a little fan duel account. You know, put some bets down on some golfers. Get something. I got that. Can, just televise some three on three basketball. Who cares if there are sports I, playing? Just put them on TV. Mic up the participants and let's go. I'm out there yelling <laughs> at my cat to do wind sprints. I miss coaching so much. I haven't been around my team for since March 12th. <laughs> got the whistle out. Trying to get him to shag the ball. It's it's really bad, man. I got some issues. That should be uh that should be your entrance to TikTok is a channel where you're just where you're coaching your cat. Like it's like it's basketball yeah. and the cat just sits there doing nothing. Yeah. That would probably go viral on TikTok and make you even more of a superstar <laughs> than you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, that's a great note to end on. <laughs> all right. Thanks everybody for being here. We'll be back next week. Talk to you then. See, See you, coach. See you guys. See Peace. everybody. We saved big money with our progressive home and auto bundle and used the cash to take a family vacation. To Hawaii. Who's up for a luau? Yay! This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big money with Progressive, but not enough to go to Hawaii. They'll probably use it for things like the mortgage and groceries, or even a travel magazine, so at least they can see pictures of Hawaii. Aloha! (laughs) Yes, say hello to those beautiful Hawaiian beaches in that magazine. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.